what are they passionate about and what do they really understand versus that they get good grades in and work hard in. Hi, I want to welcome you to Growing Nimble Families, where we encourage the celebration of school-aged kids. My name's Melitza, and I hope this show is a place where mothers like you can safely explore a slower, simpler, and playful lifestyle so that you can get to the heart of what your family needs to thrive, both now and in the years to come. Well, welcome back to a new episode. It's just before Pi Day and there are lots of pie activities going on in the house. So how's it going where you are? I have a great show for you today. You've heard a little bit about our guest already. I have a high schooler who's definite about what he wants to do and a middle schooler who was definite but's now wavering about future careers and job choices. As a parent, this is a tough one to navigate. Do you let it go, give suggestions, not worry, stay out of it? My guest today totally helps set a clear path for school age families. We cover the range of ages from the very youngest all the way through to high school. Usually we don't think of careers education until late high school or maybe the middle of middle school, but there are other things that we can be experiencing as family and she really gets into that today. There are so many things that we can do to support our kids' future career goals without being pushy. She has ideas about how to gently support children who don't know what they want to do and how you can open up their world to new possibilities. She talks about irregular income careers and how to negotiate this as a parent, as well as advice for the different stages. And look out for the story about the artist who went from $60 to $600 or very nearly. And the question parents everywhere have, what happens when your child wants to do a job, but you know it's not gonna work out for many, many reasons, but your child is adamant to go that way? How can you work with your child to let them see this future career, really see? Careers education is often a tiny, tiny section in the school curriculum. Think about your career counselor and the student-to-teacher ratio just in your schools. As in the style of this podcast, it's all about simple, gentle, proactive, and appropriate. Jamie Beck is a former CSU career counselor and has a master's degree in human services with an emphasis in macro level social systems and a concentration in family and work. She has two young children who serve as her muse while she strives to teach them 32,850 jobs by the time they turn 18 through homeschool projects and daily living so they can truly become what they know exists and get to go to work. She's the founder of careervisionbyjamie.com where she is reshaping the way job seekers fundamentally conceptualize, search and apply for work. She speaks at high schools, group homes, colleges, universities, community-based organizations and in public libraries and today she is with us. Welcome to Growing Nimble Families podcast. Thank you. Tell us how you started supporting careers education. Well, I first started working in grant programming 
um, that funded early education programs for children zero to five. And then I switched gears and became a college career counselor. While I was there, I realized that the majority of our students didn't have the fundamental information that they needed to be making lifelong decisions. Mm -hmm. And at the university that I worked at, 90% of our students actually changed their majors. It made me kind of step back and think about how we educate our children. And I combined the work I was doing with early childhood now with my college work. And I was trying to find a way to bridge the gap about how we're teaching career education to children in K through 12 settings. We spend a lot of time teaching skills in K through 12 um, that require a lot of memorization. And it's information that we can definitely Google now in this day and age. So like, what's the capital of Kentucky, um, for example, Um, but we're not spending a lot of time teaching our kids jobs. And so that's kind of how I got started is, is really recognizing that students can't become what they don't know exist. And we're not really taking the time to do a lot of education in those early years. That's right. It's like our kids go through phases of what they want to be when they grow up. They dress up and then they get to become school age and on to middle school and they might get stuck on one particular job or career, like a video game maker or a sports player or an app designer. And immediately many parents won't be happy about that particular choice. They know their kids, maybe they see the bigger picture, I don't know. When the kids are rooted in one particular job or career idea, what can a parent do to help and support them to know if this is the right field? One of the most interesting things is that when I do some work with high school students, I ask them to name as many jobs as they can think of. And then at the end of one minute, I have them go back through that list and cross off anything that someone could dress up in. So, you know, doctor, nurse, fireman, policeman, those are all gone. Cashier, those are all gone. Um, And it's really sad to see what's left. It's very small. We don't really grow a lot between preschool and high school in terms of our career bank. We do bump into some other careers through TV and media. For example, forensic anthropologist. Everyone wants to be that because of the show Bones. Now they know what that is. But we don't really grow a lot. When I was working at the university, I found, like I said, that 90% of my students were changing majors. And our top two majors were biology and nursing because everyone wanted to go into the medical field to help people. A lot of times parents want to encourage their children and, you know, rah, rah, and yes, you want to be a doctor, that's awesome, how can I support you, let me help you, but what we don't do is really question the whys, and so as a parent, it's so important to do that. Most people who want to become doctors and nurses want to help people, and so it's stepping back and saying, okay, so are we interested in medicine, are we interested in helping people, are we interested in research with medicine, are we interested in working with people who are sick, like what does that helping feature look like? Um, And so one of the things that I've kind of coined is something called career vision, and it's where you use this process of looking at everything in terms of an interest 
And I really encourage parents and teens to kind of banish career titles because there's so many out there that we don't even know exist. When we lock onto a specific title, we're really doing ourselves a disservice. For example, if someone wants to be an astronaut, there's over 500 astronauts ever in the history of the world, but there's only been over 500 astronauts in the history of the world. Right. It's, it's right. kind of a very small number. And so when we narrow in, we really lose opportunities to expand that. If a child gets into college and realizes like, oh, I have a heart problem, which actually happened to someone that I know, now they can't become an astronaut. So do they just give that up and switch to accounting? <laughs> With career vision, it's realizing from an early age, I love space. I want to do something with space. And it's that parent's job to start facilitating this interest within space and helping them explore every avenue. And so I do something called brain sorting. And I'm actually going to give one of those free to you guys on the, the podcast. So um, someone can have an opportunity to win a brain sort. And it's where I take your child's interests and opportunities and skills that they have. And I put it together in a matrix um, to kind of show all the different options and possibilities. As a parent, I think it's so important to, to facilitate that interest but it's not pigeonholing. Instead, it's saying, hey, here's 32,000 things related to this, this career. Oh, that's, that's really good information to, to be able to think as a parent how to really support the kids because you, you have all these ideas in your mind and you don't want to direct them and tell them, but you, we can be such guiding forces too. So thank you mm -hmm. for that. But there's the other side of the coin. There are a lot of kids who have no idea about what they want to be, um, what they want to do. What suggestions do you have for parents who have kids who have no idea and are in middle or high school? My encouragement always is let your kids' time dictate kind of their interest areas. So if you don't have to remind your child to do something and they just naturally do it, if you see them watching a documentary about something, if you see them looking at news articles about something, wherever you see them walk to in a Barnes and Noble or wherever the library, those are their natural interests. And actually in our home, we had this, this problem the last few weeks I've been assigning my daughter homework based on her interests, and she hasn't been doing it. She's been wanting to start an animal show, for example, and she's been wanting to gather all these different species of snakes and reptiles and things and go on the road and do an animal show. She's 11, yeah. but this is what yeah. we do. <laughs> um, she met someone who was going to give her a corn snake and an albino corn snake, which is what she's been wanting, and everything was included. and. I had it on her list of things to do for the week and she didn't do it all week. Like uh, she had all these opportunities and I kept gently reminding her. I kind of sat her down later and said, you know, maybe, maybe reptiles aren't your thing because you haven't taken any initiative. And then this week I assigned her homework um, and I created all of her homework based on chicks. She's currently hatching chicks right now. Um, they're in the incubator. I made all of her math assignments about chicks, and I made all of her reading assignments and her art assignments. Everything was centered around chicks. She got all of her homework done so quickly without any complaints, and it was just like, yeah, okay, that's an area of interest. 
And so as a parent, if you're constantly having to nag your child to do something, chances are that may not be a good area of interest. I have an assessment that I, I typically do with teens, and there are simple questions like, what is on your internet browsing history? What would you give a speech about to 100 people and not feel intimidated about? You know, so if you have a student that's saying like, oh, I could get up and talk about video games, or, you know, I could spend, you know, 20 hours on the weekend playing video games solid, that's an area to explore. But what we do is we coin it and say, I want to be a video game designer. But what we need to be doing is showing our child the credits on the video games of the 10,000 jobs related to that, because not everyone is going to be the designer per se, and that may not even be their area of interest. So definitely where they spend their time is a huge clue. Oh, that's really good. And I love in your bio, you talk about your kids doing 32,850 jobs by the time that they turn 18. Um, tell me about that number and why you chose it. Sure. As parents, one of the things that happens early on when we have a baby is we get something in the mail that starts talking about saving for a college education. You know, a cute little piggy bank, and it's like, oh, save a dollar a day, save $5 a day. If you saved $5 a day for 18 years, your child would have $32,850 to go to college. That's well and fine, and it might pay for one year at an amazing private school. It might pay for a whole state education. But what it's not accounting for is our children's interests and passions and where we should have been maybe spending that money all along. So I personally don't save for my children's college education. They have an uncle who, who does that, um, which is very kind. But what I'm doing is instead using the money we have now to explore their areas of interest, because I want to be certain by the time they're 18, they've been exposed to the things they're interested in so that they can actually choose what they want to become. So the goal is really to teach them five jobs a day. And I started with Mia when she was about five or six, and my son is six and a half, so he's just getting ready to kind of start talking through these ideas. He's a little behind her in terms of her critical thinking when she was younger. But Mia's 11 now, and I don't formally sit down with her every day and teach her 11 jobs but she does it herself. So for example, um, she was reading a fact book from National Geographic the other day, and she saw a fact about how a man has ribs that have been printed on a 3D printer. And she's like, hey mom, you should totally write about this for Career Vision. They're using 3D printers to print body parts now. This is an awesome job. And so we looked it up and you know, we, we got the title for what it is. It's escaping me right now. It's like bioengineering, I think, or something, or bioproduction. I don't remember. She knows how to critically think in that way. Um, so anywhere we go, she can look at something and tell you a hundred jobs related to anything, pretty much, that you ask her about. She may not always know the right name, but she's able to critically think in those ways. That's amazing. And what a gift you're giving to her to be able to really think through these different types of jobs and be able to use her interests that way. That's, that's really awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, I was thinking as well now that there are some future careers that are difficult um, to have a regular income, things like acting or sales, writing, you know, the arts, musicians, or even being a business owner. 
As a parent, you might be worried that your child won't earn enough to take care of themselves or their future family, and it may mean that they stay with us a little longer. <laughs> but a child can really believe that this is what they really want to do. What's the way to kind of approach the situation like this from both the parent and the student's perspective? Yeah, I get that question a lot, especially in other cultures. For example, we've hosted quite a few exchange students from Asian countries, and they're expected to to <laughs> do the traditional pathways. But there are so many creative things out there right now. So, for example, if your child is an artist, um, I just met a 13-year-old who had her art hanging in a coffee shop on Saturday, and people were, like, looking at the art and drinking their coffee on a Saturday morning, and... We had no idea a 13-year-old painted them, and several of us were kind of talking and looking at it, and it was it was really good. And then she walked in to hang another piece, and everyone was kind of taken aback. Um, and so I immediately went over to her, and I was like, do you want to know how to increase the price on your paintings from $60 to $600? And she's like, I'm listening. There are new things out there every single day being created and invented. For example, an artist, it's kind of morbid a little bit, but an artist can receive cremated ashes of a pet, for example, from someone and paint the portrait of the pet. And if they integrate the ashes into the paint, they can now charge that pet owner four to $600 for that portrait. It's called cremation arts. It's like this this whole new way that artists are like tripling, quadrupling their prices. In this gig economy that we have right now too, people are choosing the non-traditional path. This generation wants more free time. They want flexibility and they're more creative thinkers when they have that, that flexibility and creativity. And so I think what we're going to be seeing as parents is our kids choosing to live a different lifestyle and some parents are not going to necessarily be okay with that, but there are ways to kind of embrace that. I'm in the middle of creating a guide right now. I have an artist working on it. It's a travel guide, and it's about traveling the world for free. And we host people that travel all over the world. It's amazing just seeing all these. It's they're mainly European, but they're traveling and they're living life and they're working as they go. Um, a lot of them are artists and they have gigs, but they're they're bartering for room and board. So I have an artist staying with me right now that's doing graphic design for me and getting free room and board while she's traveling and doing other jobs and making money. And I think we're going to see a lot of that with our kids. So parents, it may not be what you hoped for and planned for, but there is a way for them to make a living. The, the key is allowing them to find something that they're so passionate in that they won't fail and that they'll be able to thrive in. Um, when we have that passion for something, we're able to put 20 hours into it and it's exciting. Whereas if we put 20 hours into, you know, being in an office, doing a job that we hate, 70% of Americans report that they're dissatisfied at work. And moreover, we see that the stats on Monday mornings have an increase in road rage, high blood pressure, suicide rates, and heart attacks. Placing people in jobs just for that income 
which has been the trend for past generations is is pretty sad. Um, and we really do want to support our kids and, and trust that they can figure it out if they are passionate. And then the other quick tip with that is there are ways to blend. So if your student says, you know, I really don't want to be a lawyer. I really love being an artist and that's what I want to do. They can blend that and they can be an art lawyer so that all their clients are artists and they're representing artists and that they're, um, you know, hanging out with the people and going to, you know, exhibits and galleries and, and working with creative people, but they're still doing that traditional job. And so I really do spend a lot of time helping people, adults primarily, um, redefine their jobs and get them in places where they're excited. Because so many of our jobs like accounting and office work and law and marketing can be housed in our passion area. So if you love Legos and that's like your whole passion, mm -hmm. you can be in marketing at Lego. You don't have to be in marketing at the Band-Aid company. You get, you get a choice. Yeah, no, that's really, that's really good. Um, it sounds as if we have to be proactive in supporting our kids with their future career ideas. Uh, you, you talked about how you've been doing that with your kids as, as they've been growing up. So school-age kids, five to ten-year-olds, that's primary and elementary school. Let's go through those ages and stages and see what types of things that we can gently do to support them in ideas about their career. Early education... Um, <laughs> it's a little touchy subject. In early education, what we really want to be doing is helping our kids enjoy dressing up and, you know, enjoying all those fun jobs, but also gently encouraging the reality. So if they're playing with Barbie's hug and heal puppy, the puppy is smiling and the way that Barbie heals the puppy is with a tissue that is magnetic and wipes away the cold and now the puppy is all better. Okay. And in reality, that's not true. We know that <laughs> vets work with dead, bloody, gutty puppies. Um, so people may say this is a little harsh, but when my daughter was young, she was, you know, about five or six and she wanted this toy. I gave it to her, but with a replacement puppy that had a frown, stitches, and the stuffing was red, bloody, and gutty coming out. So that was extreme. I'm not saying you guys go there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but what we really want to do is make sure age appropriately, they start to see the realities. Because I work with high schoolers and I work with college students who still think that being a vet is about loving animals. And they don't realize there's euthanasia. And they don't realize that, you know, they're going to have to see more sick hurt animals than they are healthy animals. So early education, I think it's, you know, let them dress up as the astronaut, but also teach them about all the auxiliary jobs. So, hey, you can be a space photographer. You can be a food engineer and make the food for the astronauts. You can be an engineer and build the spaceship. It's not just being the actual astronaut. Kind of middle elementary, um, I'll give you a great example. When I was coaching my daughter's soccer team, everyone wanted to sit out. <laughs> Normally you get kids complaining because they have to sit out, but everyone wanted to sit out because we were playing career vision on the sideline. So when you were sitting out, you got to be my assistant coach. You got to be the first aid person. You got to be the food nutritionist. 
and get the orange slices ready. You got to be the sports photographer. You got to be the stats keeper. And so the girls got to, we had a a sports psychologist even. They were the ones who were in charge of the cheers. So every girl got a role the day of the game that they got to fill. And they learned throughout the season, hey, when I grow up, maybe I'm not gonna be the sports star, but here's like 10 other jobs that I can do in the world of sports. And they loved things like being the sports psychologist and coming up with really fun, motivating cheers and being in charge of getting the crowd cheering for their teammates. They loved carrying around the first aid kit and helping doctor everyone's you know, boo-boos. They loved preparing the, the nutrition. Um, and we even learned nutritional facts and, you know, okay, Gatorade maybe isn't the best thing to drink. Like I taught them about each job and, you know, they learned in a really fun way. Middle school, high school, this is where we want to start getting more realistic, um, especially with low income students who are first generation college students. We had to have a tendency to kind of ignore the elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. So for example, from my own background, I wanted to be a doctor since I was in second grade. And I was from a small town, and so I was really passed through. You get in the top 10 and you stay in the top 10 your entire life. Like, you don't leave that, that bracket, really. And I was really passed through all of my math classes quickly just because I was in that group. And I was passed through everything pretty at an advanced level that I wasn't really ready for. In retrospect, when I got to college, I was failing biology and chemistry in my pre-med program. And I went back and I looked through all of my work from high school that I had saved, and I was a C student. I did the extra credit, and that's mm -hmm. why I had a 4.5. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so no one was really doing me a service by not calling me on that. I was the science club president. I got all the science awards. I won the science fairs no one said anything to me like, hey, why are you getting C's on your tests? Are you really understanding this? You know, because it was me and I was in the top 10 and I've always been a good student, but I just memorized and studied. And in college, there is an extra credit. And so it really started to show that I didn't understand any of this. Um, so as parents, I think it's crucial to to kind of separate out what is your child good at? What are they passionate about? And what do they really understand versus that they get good grades in and work hard in? It wasn't until I found sociology that I learned for the first time in my life. I actually understood and I wasn't just memorizing and regurgitating information. And so I think that's crucial is if someone wants to be a certain career that we show them like the pathway, we pull out the MCAT. If someone would have showed me the MCAT to be a doctor when I was in high school, I think I would have changed my mind earlier and had a little bit more time to, to think. And the reason I wanted to be a doctor was to help people. So again, it's mm -hmm. what's the motivation? If your child is not reading academic journals about medicine and they're not you know, looking into the scientificness of medicine, chances are they might just want to help people. And there's a whole slew of, of other careers related to that. One of my favorite ones is called a child life therapist. And this is the person who actually helps sick children who are in a children's hospital, but non-medically. They're just there with that child as their advocate. It's kind of like Patch Adams in the movie. Okay, yeah. uh, Williams played. 
Um, so in high school, that's definitely my tip. And it's also sitting your child down to read a course catalog for the university that they're looking at. You will learn more going through a course catalog than any assessment test you take. Actually going through major by major, even if they have no interest in anthropology, it's literally sitting down and reading the classes. Because a lot of times we have preconceived notions of what anthropology is. Mm -hmm. Anthropology a lot of times is thought to be the study of bones and dinosaurs and old cultures. But in actuality, a lot of marketing companies hire anthropologists now in this day and age to study consumers. And um, so if you're thinking of going into marketing, you know marketing and you might get into the business department, but find that you're having a hard time passing things like accounting. You give up and you change majors when you should have been maybe in anthropology where you're studying more consumer behavior and buying patterns and culture and how people shop and holidays, those types of things. So reading that course catalog is, is huge. Oh, that's really good. I remember social anthropology and, and how fascinating it is to just see how societies and people do things. And I, I just find that so interesting to listen to. So I was thinking about that when you started talking about anthropology. Yeah. When you are thinking about the older teens, you know, you're beginning to be in your junior and senior year and you're thinking about all the things that you were just talking about, future career. If you've not got something really sorted out by that time, what good ideas can you think of for parents to be able to do to encourage their kids, even though they're beginning to get a bit scared because it's coming to the end and I haven't made my decision about what I'm going to do, whether that's go to trade school, go straight out into the world of, of work or, or go on to college. What advice sure. would you give for that? My daughter, I don't know if she'll go to college or not. I have no idea. We are trying so many different jobs and careers. She runs her own businesses. She has W-2s this year at 11 from wow. three different places. She's doing all sorts of crazy stuff. So I have no idea where it's going to take her. And I'm okay with that. And the reason I'm okay with that is because our world has really changed. Um, I'm getting ready to do, hopefully speak at a conference about um, Google University and like the pros and cons of what that looks like. But it's true. We can really go on Google right now and learn pretty much anything we want. And depending where you live in the world, it can take you into a full-fledged career or, or not. In America, we obviously wouldn't want someone going on Google to become our doctor. But in a place like Fiji, where they have very limited medical access under the supervision of a doctor, someone could go online and take a lot of classes and learn a lot of knowledge to assist a doctor. So if your kids are really unsure right now, I would say to require them to just spend time on their interests and hobbies, like make time for that and deliberately. A lot of times I hear people say, I want to take a year off. Well, that's great, but what are you going to do? So they need to be doing something really deliberately, whether it's traveling, whether it's going to museums, whether it's immersing themselves in an entrepreneur-type endeavor, um, but really spending time on what makes them tick, what makes them spark. Because if you can figure out what that thing is, that's where you can start exploring from there. Now, deciding whether or not someone good, should go to trade school or college really depends on the end path. So I spend a lot of time talking to parents and teens about the end result. So if your whole goal, for example, is to work at Marvel, 
what you want to be doing is getting on Marvel's website and reading all their jobs for a good six months and starting to just see what kind of positions do they have and what do they require. Because as you start to read certain job descriptions, you may see that the types of jobs that you've thought of as an interest are not at all what you thought. And then you may start to discover new careers that you never even considered. So I really like the idea as a teen, if you're totally undecided, just going on to certain companies that you might like to work for and start reading um, and become addicted to that. Like every Friday, I'm going to check the websites and I'm going to read these jobs. And I would read all jobs, even if you think you know what it is, because oftentimes um, they're labeled something pretty crazy and you wouldn't have a clue. But as you start to read those, you might see that a certain position only requires experience or it only requires a two-year degree or a four-year degree, or it might require a degree that you're totally off mark. You were thinking of majoring in art, but they really do want marketing and more business. And so that's a great guide um, just to kind of see what's out there. The other thing that I always suggest is going ahead and just starting to take classes for fun at a community college. So if you like photography, if you like working out, you know, take a, a weight training class, but just get yourself on a college campus and start taking anything that seems interesting. Like take an auto shop class just to fix your own car if you want. And I think as we start to just take classes that are of interest, it helps to start develop maybe a clearer pathway of what we might wanna do. I'm a little leery about jumping into a four-year university if you're totally undeclared and unsure. As a high schooler, I really want students to eliminate what they don't want to be, and we spend a lot of time talking about that, eliminating all the possible, possible things that you have no interest in. Mm. I don't know if we have time for that, but I call it a walnut list. It's kind of like your work allergies and kind of you know, getting rid of anything remotely that you have no interest in. And then we just start to explore the things that we are interested in. And the reason we don't want to jump into a four-year university necessarily is because once you figure out what your passion area is, you want to find a university where they're on the same page as you. So for example, no one in their right mind would pay $32,000 a year to go to UCLA to major in square dancing. Right. That sounds weird, right? Yeah. Um, but what if you went there with the intentions of, I want to be a hip-hop dancer, you would want to make sure, certain that UCLA had hip-hop. You wouldn't want to go waste your time learning that. So, for example, if you want to be an engineer, you want to make certain that your university isn't getting funded to research something like medical mechanical devices when you envisioned working on cars or you envisioned working on footwear or houses or whatever it is. And so we want to make sure that as we're choosing our major, we're choosing a university that has experience and professors that actually are interested in what we are. Oh, that, that makes total sense. I'm, I'm hearing um, parents shouting at the, at the radio now saying, but my child doesn't have any interest. They just love to play on their iPad or mm -hmm. their video game and I can't get them to do anything else. Like, how can I even find out what their interests and their hobbies are? They've just kind of stopped at middle school or high school with, and they're just playing games. Okay, so what kind of games are they playing and why? <laughs> That's a, a clue. 
there's a whole new type of homeschooling called unschooling mm-hmm. that does gamification for everything. So literally, like, what kind of games are these people playing? <laughs> um, if they're playing role-play games, for example, there are historians that are hired by gaming companies, for example, to help write those those scripts and make sure they're historically accurate. If they're interested in exercise and they do like to exercise, there are companies that are coming up with all sorts of games related to the Wii U and related to things like the Fitbit um, to try to motivate people to be healthy and they've gamified it. There are people that are even, um, you know, writing curriculum that has to do with Minecraft. These students could even be teaching Minecraft classes on their own. There are summer camps that are that employ teenagers to actually mentor and teach students Minecraft. So I don't want to just throw out the whole gaming thing mm-hmm. as, um, you know, invalid. There are some ways that we can actually use it to start exploring some interests. But if you feel like you don't really have a connection to your teen and you're just you're not really sure what makes them tick, um, I do have some questions that I like to ask. There are things like, what do you save up your money for? So they may say games. Yes. <laughs> so that's, you know, you, you may only come back to games every single time. But we can we can try some other questions. Like um, if you had to donate a million dollars to a cause, what would it be? So if they say something like cancer, for example, okay, well, is that a passion area? Do they have a connection to that? Would they want to work playing video games with kids who were sick with cancer? Because a child life therapist, believe it or not, does spend a lot of time doing that. They, they have people that just go and sit in isolation playing video games with children and talking with them. So I, I kind of have this gift to be able to turn anything into a career. So I would love to meet with those parents <laughs> if you're just feeling hopeless and you're feeling like there is no connection. Anything that they would read, um, if they're reading you know, about their video games even, it's encouraging them to start writing or even starting a blog about that. So there's lots of different techniques we could use. And parents, I know this may be a little disappointing, but there's actually a college scholarship now to four universities for your children to just go to college to play games. It's becoming a sport. Um, <laughs> so the world is changing tremendously. But I do think that with technology continuing to boom as it is, there's a place for those students with, if that's their only thing, you know, feel free to reach out to me and I can give you some ideas on how they can try to turn it into something positive. But I know it's frustrating at times, but if that's their world, let's figure out how to channel it. brilliant so today I've been talking to Jamie Beck former CSU career counselor and founder of career vision by Jamie.com supporting students parents and adults in careers we've been talking about how do you help support and gently direct your child in choosing a career path tell us Jamie how we can find out more about your work right now the best thing to do is to follow me on Facebook I have a page called Career Vision Minute, and on Career Vision Minute daily, I post all sorts of things. So it could be anything from contests your students can enter for their photography to 
majors that you've never even remotely considered, like Shakespeare and autism, to jobs that are out there that you can do from home, like teaching classes on a website called OutSchool. They're going to be able to find all sorts of amazing resources to spark their interest. I don't have Instagram and um, Twitter and all those things running. Eventually, I will have that. But Career Vision Minute is the best place to find information. And then I also offer free webinars a few times a month on Career Vision Minute. You can join a Facebook Live, which is where we met. Yes. And yeah. I'm also going to be offering some classes on OutSchool, which the classes will just be $10 for an hour session. So it's a great resource just to pop in on different topics that are of interest to you and your teams. That's brilliant. Well, thank you for sharing with us today. You've given us some valuable information and a lot of food for thought. Thank you. Well, Jamie had such good information and I love how she says, students can't become what they don't know exists. I have a brain sort to give away that Jamie mentioned in the show. The brain sort, your child will fill out an interest sheet with a bunch of questions that are on it and return it to Jamie. Then she'll do a special brain sort, which talks about interests and hobbies and compares them to skills that they might have and show them some potential career ideas. My high schooler is in the middle of doing one and it's interesting what interests it is throwing up, especially what he does a lot and what he wants to love. It's a bit like that saying, show me your checkbook and I'll show you what you love as a helpful way to get you to look at where you're spending your money and your passion. Or when you do a time audit and you realize you spend more time on, I don't know, social media, add it all together than where you really want to. But in doing the time audit, you actually realize that you're not doing the things that you really love. These questions seem to help him see where he spent his time. And it wasn't just me saying it. And he could choose to spend time doing some things he actually loves doing, but never found the time. So you can win one of these brain sorts where Jamie will talk through and work it through with you. It's all done online and via email with Jamie. Answer this question on this post and a random winner will be picked and the result posted on this post. Here's a question. What do you love so much you would do for free 40 hours a week? What do you love so much you would do for free 40 hours a week? Leave your answer at growingnimblefamilies.com forward slash 209. I'm really looking forward to um, seeing what your answers are for that. It's Pi Day on March the 14th. My high schooler made a sculpture with Clay as one of his math projects for school. Um, I love how the teachers really get into Pi Day and give lots of different projects that the kids can do in celebration of it. As the clay dried, though, it kept falling apart. Some of his complicated parts kept just falling. So he's learning a lot about patience and shoring up complicated designs. If you follow my Instagram feed, you'll see his sculpture there. My sixth grader is trying to learn as many digits of pi as possible. He's got to 55 before his first mistake. We really... I love the effort that he's putting into doing that, seeing the excitement and the joy of him trying to learn all of those digits. Um, we've heard them said a lot, um, 
and, and it's just fun to see his excitement in doing that type of activity. My elementary child is just hoping to eat pie on Wednesday. He's not interested in doing anything else, and that's absolutely fine. Even with all this memorization in the house, I can only recite 3.14159 and happily reach for the calculator. How are your kids involved in any pie activities? Um, what are they doing for March 14th? If you are looking for some ideas, I have... Um, some links that you can do that are great ideas if you want to do them at home, things that you might want to do at school. Really, really simple. There was one that I thought was really cool as a community effort where all the kids brought in little loaves and they were decorated with three or four different digits of pie and they just lined all these little loaves up and sliced them up and ate them. I thought that was really cool. You can do that with a big number like pie in a classroom or, you know, if you've got a big family, that would be another good thing. That would certainly appeal to my youngest child with a food type activity to do with pie. I'm going to leave some links to those ideas about pie and many others that I found um, on the web page that you can do at home or you can do at school. So you can see that we've had lots of ideas about gently supporting kids in their career choices and I know many of you do too. Make sure you share your thoughts with us about the episode on social media using the hashtag GNFSAK which stands for Growing Nimble Families School Age Kids and make sure to tag my account. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter as at Nimble Families and on Facebook as Raising School Age Kids or share your ideas in the Facebook group that's called the Society of Nimble Parents. Be sure to see the show notes with links to our guest Jamie and the things that we've mentioned in the show and that's at growingnimblefamilies.com forward slash 209. Please continue to share the love for the podcast by sharing with your friends texting with those you think that should listen if you listen on stitcher apple podcasts or google play please consider leaving a review thanks for being here today i know there are many things that you could be doing right now and i'm glad you've chosen to be here today see you again next time bye bye